Welcome to the New Hope Leeward podcast. Yeah, can we thank our church, Ohana, for sharing their stories with us? How's it, New Hope Leeward? My name is Josiah. I'm the senior pastor here at the church. Welcome all of you here at Kapolei, even those of you that are new or newer to our church, special welcome to you. We are so glad that you're here. And everybody watching online here in our islands, uh, neighbor island, mainland, all around the world, we're so glad that you are here too. Uh, today, we're continuing on in this series, Why We Exist, and we're talking about your purpose as an individual and how that fits into our purpose as a collective church body. February 14th, 1990, the Voyager 1 space probe was 3.7 billion miles from the sun. It had made its way out past Neptune, and it was uh, going beyond our uh, solar system, which is crazy. You know what's crazy is it's actually still going. So it's still now in distant space. You can actually like look online where it is, and it is now the most distant made uh, human-made object. Now, before it exited our solar system, mission managers had it turn around to take one last selfie of us before it left. And so this is the pretty much the furthest picture that we have of us, that's Earth right there. Can you see why not? It's right there. You can hear it, listen closely. That's Earth, and they they called it the, the pale blue dot. Everything you've ever known, everything you've ever loved, everyone you've ever loved is on that pale blue dot. That is where your life appears and disappears like a vapor. That's where you live with 8 billion other roommates. And when they took this picture, scientists like, um, like atheist scientists said it, it made us feel very small and insignificant, but rather I think for us, knowing that we've been created, it actually makes me feel very, very important. Because out of those 8 billion other roommates, out of all of them, God knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself, He knows every word that escapes your lips and even the ones that never make it out of your heart. He knows your thoughts and dreams and he hears every laugh and he records every single tear. He knows you. Down to the insignificant details like how many hairs are on your head right now this morning, he knows you and he's placed you on this pale blue dot for a purpose. Would you say amen? Amen. He doesn't leave things to chance. And our God does not make mistakes. And I want to say that again because I feel like someone needs to hear that. Our God does not make mistakes. We get one life on this pale blue dot. We get one shot and we do not get another try. We do not get a do-over. This is it. So we talked about last week why you exist. Uh, You exist to love God and to bring him glory. And now where we ended last week is where we want to pick up this week. God has placed you here on this pale blue dot, and he has placed you even in this church for a purpose. And purpose, we talked about this at the very end, it's discovered within community. It's discovered among other people. We're going to bounce around in scripture a little bit today, and we're going to kind of do that through this series. When we get back to the next series, we'll kind of go back to doing exegesis and looking at just specific portions of scripture but today I want to start off in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Let me catch you up to what's going on. What Paul's doing in these verses is he's making a distinction between love and everything else. Pointing out that love is greater than our spiritual gifts. 
Love is greater than our knowledge. Love is even greater than faith and hope. Why? Because those two things will one day be eternally irrelevant. If you think about hope, it's for those who do not yet have. Faith is for those that do not yet see. And one day we will be with God and we will have all and we will see all. We won't need faith and hope anymore. But for now, he says this in verse 12. For now, we only see a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now, back then, mirrors were made out of polished metal. It wasn't a clear image when you looked into it. It was a little bit distorted. And he's saying this is the image that we have now. We have an imperfect reflection of how everything is and how it will be. We only know a fraction of God and his love. He says this, verse 12. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So he's saying, though my knowledge and understanding of God is in part, though it is imperfect, one day I will know him fully. Think about this, as fully, we just talked about that, how much he knows us, as fully as he knows me. One day I will see him clearly, know him perfectly, and worship him and love him entirely. I will know and be known, is what he is saying. As I started this year, actually as I got a couple months like uh, close to the end of the year, I always think about what I want for you as a congregation. I do this every single year. 2020, uh, I think going into 2020, every pastor was like, it's gonna be a year of vision. God's gonna give us 2020 vision and then the world fell apart, right? Okay, 2021, um, I really wanted you to survive. I'm not even joking. I, I, wanted, I wanted God to meet you right wherever you were. 2022, we did a series called Home. We talked about how in the Psalms, you know, it says God lead, has led me to a spacious place. We talked about being led to a place of, of rest where we could breathe in him. And in the year 2023, as I, as I, uh, this, this scripture was on my heart going into this year, my, my hope for you is that you would know and be known. And here's why, you can write this down. You were created, that's why you were made. You were created to know and be known. This is how you will exist eternally. But it speaks to how you were made to exist now. Anybody remember uh, the first problem identified in the Bible? If you say Eve, you will sleep on the couch, okay? No, no. The first problem was that Adam was what? Alone. alone. He was alone. And it's amazing to me, here we have kind of this test tube project because we have Adam, who has a relationship with God the Father, and there's nothing between them. Adam has no need, there's no sin, there's no brokenness. He's whole and complete in himself. So he doesn't go to God and say, God, I need somebody, I'm lonely. God himself identifies and sees that it's a problem that Adam is alone. God declares, first thing that's declared not good in the Bible. If I could have one hope, one focus, one prayer for you this year is that you would know and be known by others in this church. You can't be known by every single person. And if you're online, it makes it even a little bit more difficult. But my hope is that you would know and be known by some in this church because you will see when you spend time with others that are pursuing God just like you, 
it makes your faith come alive. It's good going to church, it's good listening to, to worship and hearing a message, but you're gonna see this actually become very, very real for you. This is how you were made. You were, you were made to know and be known. Don't, just think about this. Think about showing up to a party in which you know everyone there. There's a level of comfort that you feel as you park your car. There's a level of peace as you walk up to the house. If you know them really well, if it's your family, you don't even knock, right? You just walk into the house. There's a level of joy as you see everyone's face and as they see you. Level of fulfillment as you spend time knowing and being known. Now think about on the flip side, showing up somewhere where you don't know anyone. We've all been there before. You show up to a party where you only really know the host, right? And they're too busy to talk to you. You show up to a wedding. You don't really know anybody there. And even as you park your car, as you walk up to the door, you're, you're a little bit mechanical. You're a little bit rigid. If you're introverted like me, you're very, very stressed out and there's no joy. You don't get to be yourself, right? You get to kind of be the, the best version of you, but not really just you, I remember when I first uh, moved to California, I went to a uh, birthday party with my older brother. So he was already connected into this church. He had lived there for a long time, served there, worked there. And I didn't know, I just moved there, so I didn't know anybody there. I was so nervous and unsettled as we approached the house. And I immediately, as we got to the door, I knew the party would be lame, okay? And here's how. There is one surefire way to tell here in Hawaii if a party is going to be good or not. You know how? It's this, right here. This is how you can tell. That's it, that's it. And I wanna tell you this, this is important. The more beat up the slippers, the better the food, right? Okay, I don't know what it is. I don't make the rules. I just report on them, okay? It's just the more beat up the slippers, the better the food. I get to the door, no slippers, no shoes. I didn't think anything of it, and I took off my shoes, but the only pair at the door. I took them off. I go inside, and after about an hour, it took me a while to realize this, I'm standing around with like a bunch of people like trying to mingle. And I look down and I see like my bare feet and I see everybody's wearing shoes. And so immediately I look to my brother and I look and he's wearing shoes too. And I felt like he betrayed the people of Hawaii when he did that. <laughs> which is why when he moved back here to our islands, he moved to the only town he was allowed to live in, which was Kailua. So <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, my Kailuans, I love you. I'm joking, but it's true. That's the only place. He tried to live out here. We're like, no, 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 you gotta get out of here. Okay. There's a, there's a difference in how you uh, approach the house when you know versus when you don't, when you're known versus when you're not, because you were created, you were made this way. That's why it feels right when you spend time knowing and being known. Our vision has been uh, guiding us through this series, and so we're gonna talk about the second part today, but let's put it up and we can read it together nice and loud. Ready, go. We exist to love God, reflect his light, and change the world. We talked about love God first last week, and the vision starts there because Jesus tells us to start there. Love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and then he adds a second one. He says, would you love your neighbor as yourself? And this is what we call reflect his light, and we'll talk about that. Turn with me to some very uh, well-known scriptures, uh, Matthew 5, 14. Very well-known, especially if you've been in this church for a very long time. Uh, we talk about it every year, maybe every couple years, because this, this passage is where we get this vision to love God, reflect his light, and change the world. So let's start off in verse uh, 5, 14. 
Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Now notice this, he doesn't say you could be, you might be, strive really hard and then you will be. You are the light of the world. And so much of Christianity, we have made it into uh, just checks and balances. I have to do these things, I can't do these things, and that's what a life with God is. But Christianity isn't about uh, doing something, it is about being something. You are the light of the world. This has already happened. It's a purpose and an identity that is already given to you and I. And daily, you and I choose if we are going to ignore or fulfill that responsibility. You are the light of the world. Reading on. He says, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So regarding you as light of the world, Jesus gives both an impossibility and an improbability. A town that's built on a hill cannot be hidden, meaning it would be impossible to hide. And a lamp, you wouldn't put it in a house and put it on its stand, and then you wouldn't cover it with a clay pot. That wouldn't make any sense. That would be an improbability. It wouldn't make any sense. Verse 16. In the same way, so just as it would be impossible or improbable to hide this light, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before others. You know what I love about this verse is we complicate a lot about our life with God. We have every, every excuse in the book for why God can't use us or why we're not good enough. And Jesus right here says, you know what? He's gonna do something natural and so would you just not hide it? We say love God and reflect his light because that is a natural characteristic of light. In fact, the way that you actually can see me right now is light is coming off of the ceiling and it is bouncing off of my skin and is reflecting back toward your eyes. It is something that always happens. And so as you experience God, as you understand that you are known by him and as you know him, as you experience the warmth of his love and his power and his goodness and his holiness and grace, it is not something that is meant to be kept to yourself, but it is meant to be shared with the world around you. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Your purpose involves people in that you were not meant to shine alone. Now, without reading into the scripture too much, I think this is why he calls us a city on a hill. A city on a hill is not seen because of one porch light or one lamp that is left on in a bedroom. A city on a hill is seen because it's a bunch of individual lights that have kind of joined together from far away. It would just look like one bright light. Because Jesus, as he's talking about this, he's talking to his people. You need people to shine with. And it's not just so that you will shine brighter. It's so that you can keep shining even when your light goes out. April uh, 2017, I uh, hit a wall. It was about a, a week after Easter, and I, I just felt this real deep spiritual, mental 
emotional like low point. And I was a year into running this church as the lead pastor back then. There was so much to do. It was so beyond me. And I was so overwhelmed and I was so discouraged. It was crazy. Things were going really, really well, like as well as they could with everything we had been through as a church. But I was so discouraged. I texted my buddy, uh, John Burgess, and he used to be the lead pastor at New Hope Sand Island, just the most massive white man you've ever met in your entire life. He's in California now, and I became really good friends with him and Pastor Pat McFall, who's at uh, New Hope Hawaii Kai, because we all started, we all took over New Hope Churches at right around the same time. And so we had a good name for ourselves. I called us the Howley Trinity. That was us. <laughs> I was the only one that liked that name. Um, okay. <laughs> so where was I? Okay, so my, my light had, had, had just, it, it had just gone out. Like it had just gone out. So I texted John, hey man, I'm, I'm struggling right now. And he, he called me right back. And I was like, oh, I don't wanna talk. You know, <laughs> I don't wanna talk right now. So I answered the phone and, and he tells me what's going on. And so I just... I just pour out, pour out my heart to him. Everything, everything that's going on, everything that isn't working, everything I'm stressed about and dealing with at the church, everything that's going on at home, where I feel like I'm, I'm failing and I'm angry at God and I wanna quit. I just kind of lay everything out. And, and after I'm done, he was just quiet for a few seconds. And he said this, he said, you've been running uh, this church for about a year now. What I want you to do, there's this, this one prophet in the Old Testament. I don't, I don't remember which one he said. He said, there's this one prophet that talks about counting and recounting the Lord's faithfulness. So what I want you to do is I want you to sit down and I want you to write down in this last year every single time that God has been faithful to you. And all I could think was, great, I have homework now. That's awesome, okay, like, <laughs> helpful. I, got, I get off the phone with him and so I, I just was like, all right, if I, if I, if I really want... Like, I really want things to be better, then I'm just, I'm gonna do it. So I sit down and I start writing. 10 things, 20 things, 30 things. I'm starting to, to run out of paper and, and, and my arm, my, my, my hand is starting to cramp up. And finally, I just, I, just, I just dropped the pen and I just started, I just started crying. I just started crying. And I, I needed somebody else, and I still do, to shine their light when mine goes dim or mine begins to go out. Because it happens. It happens to all of us. It happens to the best of us. I'm still in a small group with a bunch of these, uh, with a bunch of these guys. So there's two of them that are in California. Um, there's four of us here in Hawaii. So our, our, our group has grown. We're all senior pastors. And um, it's so perfect. There's no competition. Nobody cares how big each other's church is or how good everybody else is doing. It's, it's, it's a place where I can be authentically broken and completely loved. It's a place where, I mean, literally, short of, short of I murdered somebody and I hid the body, guys. I'm letting you know, short of that, I don't think there's anything I could say on that call that would cause any of them to disown me. And I need that. And so do you. Every single one of us does. We need a place where we know and are known. I want that for you. I want people to know you. I want you to know them, not just the Sunday morning version of you. I want them to know the version of you when you're driving on the way to church. I want them to know that version, the real you. And I, I, I am convinced of this. Like the single greatest thing you can do for your faith this year, and I think every single one of us would say, yes, I want to grow in my faith. The single greatest thing you can do is to jump in an Ohana group. Even if you're exclusively online, a ton of our groups are still on Zoom. And what I love is 
you know, what I even loved about that video is our church is so vastly different. You have almost every single nationality that is represented in our church. You have almost every single life stage. And so we have some groups that are just, everybody is beautifully different. And those groups matter too, because sometimes you'll have the older generation sharing wisdom with those who are younger. And then we also have a lot of groups where, you know, moms know what moms are going through. People who are in the military and have relocated here, they, they know what you're going through. People who are retired and, and people who are, you know, Gen Xers who are now taking care of their parents and people in blended families, like they know what you're going through better than anybody else. We have pretty much groups for every single different type of person every single week. And even on, on Wednesdays, we're going to open up this campus and we're gonna have Ohana groups here. So if it's been too hard for you to like take the jump and sign up, then if you can just drag yourself here to church, which you can because you're here right now, if you can do that, then would you start there? Would you begin there? If you're currently in a group or you're leading a group, I do wanna say this. Again, if you're online, you're here in person. If you're already in an Ohana group and you're like, yeah, it's great, I'm glad we're talking about this. I'm glad you're talking about this again, Pastor. You know what, I, I would encourage you with this. If you're in a group and it's great, then invite somebody to your group. I, I, I can tell you through the pandemic, it is not easy to get us to do anything. And I understand that. I don't wanna do things either, okay? I wanna stay home as well. And here I am with you, okay? <laughs> I wanna do things too. I wanna stay home too. And so I wanna tell you this, me telling everybody, you gotta do this, you guys gotta do this. It, but my words mean less and less and less and less and less. But if you invite them, if you invite somebody you know, you invite somebody that's not connected in this church, I think they would be so much more likely to show up because that might be the confirmation that they need. Would you say amen to that? That might be what they need. I really love being here. I just wanna say that. Okay, just so you know, I do love it. We are a, we are a city on a hill. Your purpose, it involves people. You were not meant to shine alone. And so that's why God placed you. He placed you in this church or online in this church for a purpose. But not only does he call you a city on a hill, right? He also calls you a lamp on a stand. Now, this, this isn't very impressive. Like when I, when I like dramatically said, you are the light of the world and I turned it on, some of you are like, well, that was pretty lame. Like that, <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't very impressive at all. It's because you are not meant to just shine in contexts like this. You are not just meant to shine in places that are already bright. You're not just meant to shine here in church with people who feel the same way that you do. You are not called the light of the righteous. You are not called the light of the religious. You are not called the light to people who have faith like you and look like you and vote like you and act like you. You and I are called the light of the world. That you and I are meant to shine out in some of the darkest places. You're meant to stand out in a dark world. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but I have. I mean, the world just seems to get darker and darker and darker. But would you resist the temptation to become hopeless? Would you resist the temptation to get jaded or angry? Resist the temptation to just romanticize the past and how things were and vilify every single person that you feel like is to blame in this world and in this country. 
Because you know what I think? As the world gets darker, it just means that Christ's light is going to shine brighter. The light's a lot more impressive now. Why? Because it's a lot darker. The light's a lot different now. Why? Because it's darker. You are a lamp on a stand. Now think about and look at this light. It doesn't try to fit in with the darkness. So the light doesn't dim itself to make the darkness feel a little bit more comfortable. Rather, the light pierces the darkness in every single direction. And, and, and so there's two, there's two sides to this, right? I think some of us would be like, yes, absolutely, pastor. We have to pierce the darkness. But would you also notice this? The light shines in every single direction, meaning it doesn't discriminate where it goes. Jesus says it gives light to every single person in the house whether they deserve it or not, perform the way we want, have faith like we want. It shines in every direction and it shines to every single person. Why? Because that is its purpose. That is your purpose. You are to shine and stand out in this dark world. And standing out is not just so that you may stand apart. Are there times we're gonna have to stand apart? Absolutely. Are there times we're gonna have to stand on God's word and say, no, this is what it says and this is how it is? Absolutely. But you and I, we we, we don't stand out so that we just may stand apart. You and I stand out so that we may invite the world in. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Your purpose involves people. We stand out to invite in. When it comes to people growing in faith, we want everything that we do to be done through Ohana groups, how we do classes and new believers and newcomers to church. Why? Because transformation, it just, it happens within relationship. It just does. And it happens through belonging. And in the past, and I, I, I know that we've done this, and I'm not, I'm not bad-mouthing any church that, that does this, we, we've tried to make discipleship, and, and it, it does need to be organized. I will say that. But we've tried to make discipleship very, very uh, mechanical. So this is kind of the way the church did it before, is you come into our church, we can, we can put this up, and you behave the way we want you to behave. Act the way we want you to act. Believe what we want you to believe. Take our 14 different classes, and then would you believe with us on every single theological detail, even the minor ones, And then once you do that, then you can belong to our church. And I understand why we do that, and I understand that it makes things very, very organized. But you know what? I don't think church was meant to be perfectly organized. Why? Because people are super messy. Would you say amen? You are messy, and so am I. And so this way, although, although it makes sense, that's not the way that Jesus did it, right? When Jesus walked this earth, he didn't send his disciples through theology school. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but he didn't send them and say, hey, go away, I want you to learn for eight years, and then you can come back, and then we're gonna do this together. They started right then and there. You get criticized. I, I, I love this. I hope I get criticized for this one day. Get criticized for eating with sinners. Eating with sinners, that's the way I wanna be like Jesus. Eaten with sinners, and the religious folks didn't like that. And it's so funny, all these, all, all, these, all these sinners, we don't have record that every single one of them got it. Every single one of them repented. 
We don't even have record that at all these meals, Jesus was teaching all these sermons every single time. Maybe he was, but if you look at the text, like he was just being there with them. And this is why, this is why they were so drawn to him, because Jesus' model is, is like this. You can put this up. It's you, you belong first, and then you believe. And then that will change the way that you behave, that People belong now. They have value now. Why? Because they matter to God now. And because you weren't perfectly put together when you came to the Lord, and neither was I. And as they grow closer to us, and as they grow closer to the Lord, that they're going to believe through our witness, and we may not agree on every minute theological, political, social detail, and that's okay. I don't know if that's possible. And over time, that'll change the way that they behave. And this is the way that Jesus did it. Why? Because light does not discriminate in which way it shines. It just shines as far as it is allowed to go. And I believe this. So if you're, if you're like, oh my gosh, are we, does that mean we're becoming, a, we're becoming a woke church or a progressive church or whatever scary labels you want to throw on it? No, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe this. You can do this in a way that doesn't compromise your beliefs and it doesn't compromise who we are. Why? Because that's the way Jesus did it. He didn't compromise who he was. He didn't make himself dim so that he could fit in but he met people right where they were. We don't have to change what scripture says in order to love people well, because we as people do not get to change what God says. But rather, we serve a God who changes people. We serve a God who changes people, and he takes things that are dead, like me, and he makes them alive. And that takes time, and it's messy, but it is a worthwhile endeavor. Would you say amen to that? You are created to know and be known. Your purpose, it does, it involves people. And it starts for you and I, uh, again, if this seems daunting to you, it seems difficult to you, it's because that it is. I don't think any one of us should hear the light of the world and be like, oh yeah, absolutely, check, I've been doing that. I think for every single one of us should cause us to take a step back and say, am I really shining in every single different area of my life? And so it begins and it starts with loving God. God is described as light. He is described as love. So we don't conjure this up ourselves, but it's the more that we know him, that's why Jesus says, let your light shine. The more that we know him and worship him, he'll begin to shine through you and I. Which is why I wanna, I I left a little bit of time on the back end today, which is why I just wanna just, I wanna end in worship today. And it's not gonna be really long, but what I want to do is, is the things that are up here in your head, I want them to kind of sink down into your heart. And a lot of times that, that happens when you and I sing together. We're going to sing that song, Make Room, again. And as, as you sing it, when you, when you sing, I will make room for you to do whatever you want to do, I want you to sing it twofold. So even if you're new to church, like I don't normally sing, I, I, I don't really know what to do, just, just, just sing, just sing the words with us. But as you sing it out, it's a communal prayer that we're entering in together, whether you're here in the room or online. As you sing, I will make room for you. Understand that you are talking about your own heart and your own soul, but you're also talking about this church, 
I was thinking about it backstage as we were singing together. The, the worship on the front end was so beautiful. It was so encouraging. This whole vision, love God, reflect his light, change the world, it is dead in the water without you. We can't do it without you. We can't be a city on a hill if there's only a couple of us. It will take all of us. So as you sing Make Room, you're singing it over yourself, but you're also singing it over our church. And so would you just stand with me wherever you're at? I'm gonna, I wanna pray us in. I wanna pray us into this time. Lord, I just get this, this sense and usually feel this at the beginning of the year, but it, it just feels different this year. That you wanna do something amazing on this little pale blue dot. That you wanna do something through this little church here on the west side. And God, maybe we would look at ourselves and we would pick somebody else or we'd be like Moses and say, send us somebody else. But Lord, for whatever reason, you chose us. We're here for a reason. That's not for us to figure everything out. It's not for us to figure everything out and we gotta live perfectly tomorrow. We gotta do everything perfect. No, 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 that's impossible. Let us not begin with ourselves. Let us begin and start with you. We sang for revival earlier. Let us not just be a church that sings for revival. Let us be a church that contends for it. And the way we contend for revival, it's not actually in big, loud worship services. It's when we're alone. It's when we're with you. For when you put a bunch of people together that want revival, that is when revival happens. And so God, would you make room, start first in our own hearts, and then would you make room in this church that we could be a light that pierces the darkness, but would we be a light that shines towards every single person? For lights do not just expose, they bring comfort. Light brings healing, makes things clear. Would we be that? Lord, we love you, we give this time up to you. Let us just sing to you with all that we have. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing, church family. We hope you were blessed by this weekend sermon. If this is your first time joining us, we welcome you to check out our website, newhopeleeward.org, to learn more about us and how you can get connected into our ohana. We hope you'll join us again soon.